Well, hey guys, welcome back to the College Age Movement Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you're doing really, really well. And uh, this week we are in part four of Dear Church, which is a walk through the book of Galatians. And so we're going to be in chapter four. Uh, That's where we're going to find all of our content this week. But I want to touch on last week's content just a little bit before we dive into chapter four. So last week we talked about a few different things, but three of the main points that we made were, uh, number one, not trying to finish on our own what we couldn't have started on our own. That we're not going to, by human means, try to complete what God has been doing in us and through us, and that uh, though the call that has been placed on our life is spiritual, the, the call in our life is supernatural, and it's something that God has asked us to be, and even though we can do little things on our own, we will never fully complete and be who God has called us to be if we don't lean into him. So what God has started in you, help let him help you finish it in you as well. And then secondly, we talked about learning from our individual and collective processes, that life happens, mistakes happen, successes happen, but the, the thing that we need to make sure that we're doing is always learning, that we have a teachable heart, that even in the good times, the bad times, the successes, the failures, the, the valleys or the mountaintops, that we are learning lessons and that we put that towards becoming who Jesus wants us to be. And then understanding how important the law was for Israel and how important Jesus is for us. We talked about this covenant that God made with the nation of Israel and uh, that, that Jesus came and actually fulfilled a promise that was made to Abraham 400 plus years before the covenant was made with the nation of Israel. And so we just talked about how important it was that, that the nation of Israel had these guardrails, they had the law that, that kept them in line with who God wanted them to be. And then Jesus came and he expanded on a lot of the law, but he also did away with some of the law as well. And uh, so our focus isn't on that, but our focus is always on Jesus and the things that he told us to do and the things that he told us to be. So today we're going to be in chapter four and we're going to start in verses four through five. And Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 says this. It says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That word sonship is unbelievably important when it comes to understanding our relationship with God because of Jesus. It means that we get to have an intimate relationship with our creator, a relationship that no longer requires a daily mediator, that Jesus became that. He was our eternal mediator. And that the scripture says time and time again that Jesus is in heaven mediating for us. He's advocating for us. He is always in the ear of God advocating for his children. And that that is just an incredible thing to think about, that we know that we always have a direct line to God. And, I, and this is important because we have to remember that the nation of Israel had to constantly use the priests and the temple to communicate with God. And that was no longer the case, that Jesus changed everything, as he always does. He became the, the, our ability to, to communicate. He became everything that we needed to have a direct line of communication with God. And too often we, we start to think that we need to step inside of the building of a church or we need to step into this, these certain areas to communicate with God, but that's not what, what is reality for us. In fact, we get to communicate with God whenever and however we want to. And we, we miss that a lot of the time. So we need to make sure that we understand that Jesus punched our ticket to have first row seats with the creator at all times, that he is always listening, that he's always available. Secondly, it also means that we are afforded liberty in Christ. We are not bound by a strict formal law like the nation of Israel was. Now, that doesn't mean that we get to go nuts and do whatever we want, but it does make it clear that we get way more freedom 
and we get to find individual individualism in our relationship with God. You see, while the nation of Israel prayed, worshipped, spoke, and even ate the same, God was so abundantly aware of our need to be in unique relationship with him. He wants that. He wants unique relationships with each one of us. And that's an amazing thing to think about. And so one of the things that sonship does is is that it, it creates this unique individualism that we get to have with our God. And then one of the other things that sonship does is also this amazing reality of universal brotherhood universal sisterhood. And the best way that I, that I can explain this is that the covenant made between God and Israel was a covenant made for a nation, while the covenant and the promise that God made with Abraham and that Jesus fulfilled was a covenant made to all people. So no longer was it about one nation, it was about all nations. And I've seen this time and time again. My first mission trip, I, it was the summer before my senior year of high school, I was 17 years old, and I got to go to Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is this massive city with millions of people in it, and we were in a place called Garbage Mouth. It's downtown Sao Paulo, and we worked with the homeless people there. We worked at this homeless shelter, and we helped give people showers and, and baths, and, and we served them food. And then we got to, to throw a birthday party for a transvestite prostitute and all of his friends. And so we got to spend hours with these people and I was 17, and I was naive, and I was uncomfortable, but God stretched me in so many ways. I got to meet these unbelievable Brazilian people that I would have never had a conversation with if I hadn't been on that mission trip. And I, and I uniquely remember praying over this, this guy and his friends as they, they're stepping back onto the streets, and, and, and hopefully through relationship with the church that we were working with there, they got out of that lifestyle. But I remember you, this unique moment where we were praying for them, and my friend Fernando was praying in Portuguese, but I could understand every single word that he said. And it was just this this divine moment that, that I'll never forget. And, and I walked away from that understanding something that I've been reminded of time and time again, no matter what country I'm in, is that the, the same God that I worship is the same God that, that people in Brazil and Ethiopia, Guatemala, Philippines, wherever it may be, they worship the same Jesus that I do. And that's an unbelievable thing that the covenant and the promise that Jesus fulfilled allowed me and somebody thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away to worship the same God freely and find the same freedom that the other one finds on a daily basis. You see, pre-Jesus, there was all kinds of classifications of where you stood in relation to God. And there's still, we see that in other countries as well. And there was these perceived levels of importance. And now, now the gospel had simplified our title. The gospel simplified our title to son, to daughter, to child of God. And for us in relationship with each other, it, it just simplified to brother and sister. That no longer were there these classific classifications that, that were based on your race or your sex or your position or your family of origin. The gospel leveled the playing field. Jesus leveled the playing field. And so we get to, to camp in that reality that, that no longer do classifications keep us from being who God wants us to be. In fact, we're all called to be children of God. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 6 of Galatians chapter 4, he says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So the next point this afternoon would be this, would be Father God. For a lot of different reasons, many of us struggle with this idea of God being our dad. And some of us have great dads, so we don't want to replace them. And some of us 
didn't even know our fathers, so we don't know how to have the perspective of what a dad even is. And some of us had bad experiences with our dads. So we don't want to associate God with that because dad was not a, a positive word. It was a negative word. But here's the thing. No matter your experience with a father, they aren't God. They aren't called to be God. And shockingly, God is. He is God, and he will always be God. And and Jesus called God Abba. It was a term that indicated this incredibly deep and emotional bond between Jesus and his father, Abba Father. And that is now afforded to you and I as well. Because of Jesus, we get to have the same relationship with God that Jesus had. I don't know about you, but I read scriptures and I see the way that that Jesus found solitude and he had these just immensely intimate conversations with God. And I've I've read those and I've said, oh man, I wish that I could do that. And the reality is, is that I can, that I'm afforded the same ability and the same direct line of communication with God that Jesus had when he was on earth. And I think that we miss the depth of that more than we understand it that we have this amazing ability to just step into conversation with our Father in heaven, a perfect, unblemished, amazing, all-powerful Father that loves us so incredibly much. You see, when we look at what it means to be a good dad, we look at earthly men to check a couple of boxes. We expect them to be loving, uh, honest, loyal, a teacher of lessons, patient, protector, And the reality is that none of our fathers, even those of us with good fathers, have ones who checked those boxes every single time. But God does. God does check every single one of those boxes every single time. He is loving. He is honest. He is loyal. He teaches us things. He's patient. He's a protector. He does so much more than that. And it's not about having a father that knows a lot of things, but it's the God about the God who knows all things being willing to step into that role for us. And that, that's an amazing thing that we need to start appreciating, that he loves us like a perfect father loves us. And we need to not forget that because when we understand that we have a father in heaven who is walking with us every step of the way and that loves us dearly and is perfect, we start to live our lives with more freedom and more confidence because we have him at our side. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 7, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So the next point is this, is that we are beneficiaries. Beneficiaries. Do you ever look at at people who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth and just get like annoyed? They literally have everything handed to them. I remember growing up and and I was so annoyed with so many people in my life because I had to work for every dollar that I ever wanted to spend and they were just given these things time and time again. And the only benefit to knowing those people is if I could actually be their friend because then I would benefit from the things that were handed to them. And uh, I, I found myself in these relationships where I was just like, man, I don't even know if I would be your friend, but like I get the hookup and because you get the hookup and there would be just like another level of annoyance with that. And so I just find myself just being so frustrated and, and being so jealous. And then as I, as I thought about that and as we read through the scripture, all I can think about is that's us, right? That, that we were born with a golden spoon in our mouth. That the creator of the universe, a God who both hung the stars in the sky and is our father, handed us eternal life if we would just surrender our lives to him. If we would just say, hey, yes, you are my savior, you are my father, and I'm going to do whatever I can to live 
a life in accordance with your will for it, then we are handed everything. doesn't mean that life is perfect, but it's we've been given the greatest gift ever, and that's been freely given to us as nothing through what we have done. It's just this un- unmerited favor, this grace that has been given to us, this forgiveness that has been given to us time and time and time again. And, and that's available to whosoever, right? Whosoever believes in me is stated in Scripture. Whosoever believes in me and you will spend eternity in heaven with me. There's, there's an incredible man by the name of A.W. Tozer who was a scholar and a theologian and a teacher, and he died decades ago, but his, his teachings still live on, and he, he has this devotional that, that I check out every once in a while because the content is just so amazing, and, and along these lines, he has this, this content um, from, from last year's devotional, and it says this, it says, "'What no mortal has done, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, has achieved.'" He has accomplished this kind of enduring administration and divine benefits, beneficience. Jesus died to activate the terms of the will to all of its beneficiaries. Jesus rose in victory from the grave to administer the will. Is that not beautiful? Jesus did not turn God's will over to someone else to administer. He himself became the administrator. Many times he declared, I will be back. I will rise again on the third day. He came back from the dead. He rose on the third day. He lives to carry out for his people all the terms of his will. We must continue to trust this living one who is now our great high priest in the heavens. There is not a single argument in liberal theology strong enough to pry us from our faith. We have a living hope in this world, and that living hope is equally valid for the world to come. Oh, yes, I should tell you exactly who are named in, the God, in God's new will. The answer is Christ's answer and invitation whosoever. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift. Man, it's such an amazing thing. And I think that we fail to see the significance of the fact that we are in the will of God. We're in the will of God. And yet too often we just brush that to the side and we say life is hard, but we are in the will of the creator of the universe. He has created us to be heirs, to be beneficiaries of the perfect gift, and then our job is to go and give that to everybody else. Now, being an heir isn't always easy. We see heirs of human kingdoms fail under pressure all the time. They, they can't live up to their parents' standards, but there's a difference between the beneficiaries of the kingdom of God and those of, an er- of, and those of earthly kingdoms. While they don't inherit anything until their parents pass away, we inherit everything while our father still walks right beside us. You see, we get all of the riches, all the inheritance without losing the relationship. That we don't have to, to depend on, on a dead father's rules or regulations that he set, and this is how you rule, or this is how you govern, or this is how you love people. No, we have a father that is walking right beside us every step of the way and is giving us lessons after lessons after lessons, that he is teaching us these things and he is showing us how to be the people that he's called us to be. And we underappreciate that. We need to understand that we've inherited everything. We have all of the riches without losing the relationship. So let's do everything that we can to avoid underestimating what it is that God has given us. And then Paul goes on to say in verses 8 through 9, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? So a question that I would have for you today is, what do you find yourself turning back to? What do you find yourself turning back to? 
we have to be willing to take an honest look at our lives and see what areas are hardest to leave behind. You see, there's this reality of following Jesus that we have to admit to. All the things we want to do will not fall in line with everything that Jesus wants us to be. All the things that we want to do won't fall in line with who Jesus wants us to be. There's just these things that we find like the, that we just keep holding on to. Like Jesus is like, I have everything for you. And we're like, yeah, but I want to bring this with me. I, I want to keep doing this. I, I want to still be a part of this relationship. I still like to dabble in this addiction. And Jesus says, no, I have a perfect life, an abundant life waiting for you. Stop turning back to those things. Stop trying to bring those things with you. I have so much more for you. And, and maybe we won't identify many of the things that we struggle with as gods, but there are absolutely things that we worship. Maybe it's self-image or money, power, likes, follows. Maybe it's our relationship status. There's these things that we worship, that we give so much value to. And Paul is asking a very direct, very direct question. Surrendering your life to Jesus frees you from those things. Why are you wanting to go back? This is what I love about this statement, is that it's not just about knowing God. It's about understanding that he knows you. He understands your innermost desires and is able to fulfill you eternally, not just temporarily. You see, there's this incredible story in Scripture that many of us have heard, and and we've just called it the woman at the well. And I'll spark notes version it for you real quick if you haven't heard the story before, but there's this woman at a well, and Jesus comes to get a drink of water, and he asks for a drink of water. And through conversation, they start to talk about these things. And, and Jesus just says, hey, this is water that, that will quench your thirst temporarily, but I want to give you living water. I want to give you water that will sustain you forever. And then he makes a, a statement. He says, go home and tell your husband. And she says, Lord, I'm not married. And Jesus simply responds, I know. In fact, you've been married five times, and the man that you're living with now isn't even your husband. And what I love about this story is that Jesus knew her. He knew everything about her, but still offered something that would fix her eternally. What she was currently participating in, this this void that she had been trying to fill with men, those temporary fixes. She felt like her value was found in men, but Jesus wanted to fix her eternally, not temporarily. So he gave her living water. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to push towards him to not turn back. He wants to give us eternal fixes, not temporary fixes. And sometimes it's not even running all the way back, right? We just, we just try to bring carry-ons onto the flight that is our relationship with Jesus. Man, this journey would be so much easier if I could just bring this with me. It won't take the plane down. I'll put it, I'll put it in the overhead bin. Like it's, just, it's light, it's small, it's compact, but I want to bring this with me because it would make my journey so much more comfortable. But I think we need to understand that the God who created us is sufficient for us. There's no carry-on needed. That everything that he has for us is everything that will be enough for us, and it will, it will suffice, it will fulfill, and it will eternally equip us, not just temporarily. And I think it's so important that we understand the power of a God who is fully sufficient for us. And I just want to end with two phrases. And the first one is, is going back to the idea of sonship and, and this idea that he will bring us out of slavery into sonship. He will bring us out of slavery into sonship. We are no longer slaves to anyone or anything. We have perfect relationship with God. 
that we get to be his sons, we get to be his daughters, we get to have a father in heaven who cares about us with perfection. And then secondly, just this simple phrase that his love for you is like nothing else. There's nothing on earth that can even come close or compare to his love for you. And I don't know where you're at today, but I hope that that hits you right in the heart, that, it, that it's something that you needed to hear, because I know that I need to hear that so much. I try to fill the voids in my life with so many different things, but I need to understand that his love is like nothing else, and it will be completely and totally sufficient. Well, we hope that you have a great rest of your day. If you're ever in Billings on Tuesdays, we would love to see you here physically. We meet at 7 o'clock at Faith Chapel. If not, we hope this podcast is something that continues to bring you life. We will talk to you very soon.